Dynasty Podcast is proud to present Grammy U Off the Record, a look at independent record label closed sessions. Presented here as a live podcast recorded at Columbia College, Chicago on April 9th, 2014. My name is Haima Black. I host Dynasty Podcast at DynastyPodcast.com. What follows is my Grammy U interview with Alex Fruchter and Michael Kolar of Closed Sessions. Thank you. I want to thank Bob for letting us, you know, use the class time and space. Big shout out to Dynasty Podcast coming to record this. Um, and of course, our speakers, Michael and Alex Fruchter from Closed Sessions. Cool. Thank you, Scott. My name is Haima Black. Um, I'm a host of Dynasty Podcasts. It was the first ever music podcast ever launched in Chicago history nine years ago. Um, with me, of course, Alex Fruchter from Closed Sessions and Michael Kolar from Closed Sessions and Soundscape Studio. This is so loud. Um, gentlemen, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you, Columbia, for having us. And thank you, Grammy U, for having us as well. It's going to be good. Um, let's dive right into it. I know that, you know, some people might be familiar with the label, some people might not be. Let's start there. What was kind of the history of closed sessions? How did this label start with the two of you? With, with currency, really, yeah. I think we brought currency for his first Chicago show. He slept on a friend's couch, and he was just that type of guy. He doesn't pop bottles or go with the club. He just wants to, you know, go to the studio and do rapper stuff and we filmed it and yeah we're doing yeah, a um we're doing a pretty popular monthly party and we're bringing a lot of artists that were buzzing on the internet and in the blog space uh we would bring them to chicago and kind of play this party that was 100 people max very small crowd and kind of like you're popular online come to chicago and prove it at this party and then we added a uh I'd met Mike and we added taking him to the studio and doing that same process of like, here are producers from Chicago, you know, do your thing. And uh, the first one was with Currency. We put out a, a video of his studio experience with the song. And what showed us that we had something was that we emailed the song to one other person and within a few minutes it was all over the internet and it was all being credited you know, closed session, because we just made up the name on the spot, and then it was like, we have something here, like, let's, let's just we do We just it. knew we were onto something, it just felt right, and Currency became a friend forever, and still we went on to do a little three-song EP with them, three-piece set, and we just kind of, man, this just feels right, and we knew something was there, and other sites at the time were just posting other people's content, and it's like, let's make our own. Let's, let's make our own. Yeah, yeah, let's make our own content. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be literally my next question, is that there are a ton of blogs um, there's a ton of music blogs, and there's even some great music blogs, but mainly I think people in the age we're in right now are very happy to share content. You know, you look at like the whole, you know, kind of principle behind Tumblr, it's sharing content. Blogs are mainly, you know, they get an email or a leak hit SoundCloud, and then everybody shares the same thing. What was it about wanting to, what was it about like original content that you guys were like, let's not just share content, let's make our own content? Masters of Our Own Destiny, and this, 
there's a million websites out. I was like, how do we separate? And like, what, what are we doing? That's awesome. Let's look cool. I want to look cool on the internet, man. And impress the chicks that wouldn't talk to me in high school. It's like, let's get great rappers <laughs> in the studio. Let's do awesome stuff, you know? I was at the same high school as you. All the yeah. girls talked to you. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and there was another thing of like, our goal from the jump was not to like cover the scene and like the press or whatever, but we were already doing all these things. There was an idea of how he was saying master of your own destiny, telling the story of what we were doing, what all our friends were doing making this music. It's like someone has to be the documenter and we're just fans of music we love, like old studio videos, you know, magazines, uh, that kind of stuff liner notes, album artwork, that's, we're Final music records, nerds. Yeah. We wanna yeah. make sure someone has to be that role for our generation. We saw all these people around us doing amazing things. And then also as like blogs became the predominant way people find music, it was always like, here's a hot record from this guy. And kind of the story and that intimacy with the artist was kind of getting lost, I felt, as, as blogs took over, so. That was another reason. It's like, man, who are these people? You like their music. Like, what? Just people weren't. It's a little more, way more common now, but when we started. Now, you know, you guys with closed sessions, with some of the other work you guys have been able to do, you've gotten to work with some really big names, do some really cool work, and we're going to touch on that a little bit later in the discussion. But let's kind of start at the beginning. Like, before you guys are working with people like Chance the Rapper and Vic Mensa and Rocky Fresh, how did this start for you guys individually, like in the music space? How did you each kind of get involved with the music business? Um, I, uh, I kind of got involved when I was in college. I started DJing and I was also a writer and I, um, uh, someone at, at school was starting a website and they needed writers and, uh, I was kind of known at the school for, for doing the same thing we're doing now and he approached me to, to write and I took that as far as I could go. This was 10 years ago, the internet, there were no blogs, it was like all hip hop, uh, S-O-H-H, sites with more like news articles, full-length features. It was called Soundscape, and I uh, graduated college. I was teaching in Teach for America, and I would go home and interview people like Common, uh, the Beastie Boys, Buster Rhymes, all my heroes, and at the end, I would ask all of them for a drop because I was uh, DJing, so I not only had this interview um, you know, catalog or whatever. I had all these drops and I would approach people in Chicago, like, let me DJ your party. And I'd play them, Russell Simmons being like, yo, I'm with D you know, my DJ name and stuff. And um, it just snowballed from there. Really, that was my way in, writing and being able to approach people for an interview. Then it's like, well, I also do this party, so when you're in Chicago, hit me up and come to my party. And then it was like, oh, and now I work at out of a studio, so do all these other things, and that's kind of how I found my way. That's smart. I had a life-changing day, sophomore year in high school, I found out that, unbeknownst to me, my neighbor four homes down had a killer studio in his house. I walked in and saw the gear and the people working there and the vibe, and it was just like, this is where I need to be. It, it just, it was the coolest thing I've ever encountered in my life up until that moment. And just at that point on, it was in turn, I came back like a week later. I mean, I'll clean your toilets, I'll mop your floor. Let me hang out here and see what you do. I always loved music. I never thought about how it was made or any of that type of stuff. And just that one time, like, it's caught the bug and this interned and crew and he did, like I said, he DJed and I started mastering his mixtapes and then started teaming up on events and the rest was history. Now, you know, again, you guys have been able to do some really cool work, and I think a lot of the students in this class 
at least some of you guys have got to want to work in the music industry. I would imagine that's why you're taking this course, at least some of you. You know, what advice can you pass on to students who want to, you know, maybe form their own label or be doing their own events or, or have a music blog or, or any of the kind of music work that's happening now? Because now we're in an age where you can be very entrepreneurial and you can launch your own venture, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Start now like literally right now, if you already haven't, the only reason I think I got to where I was interning in studios when I was 15 years old, I had just a head jump on it. Like you got to now, and also just building those critical relationships, man, that's, that's what it comes down to. And kids that went to, oh shoot, CSIC goes here. He has a Justin Bieber record, you know, like it starts now, you yeah, know, man. so yeah. That's, that's so important not to take off the, the kind of focus on you guys. But yeah, I started when I was like 15 as well with like radio internships and, yeah, yeah, there's there's no like, yeah, once I graduate college, like, and I have traveled for a year, then when I'm like 26, I'm going to get started. It's not to like be ageist. You can start whatever age, but man, there's, you'll be so much happier. Like, you'll thank yourself the earlier you start. Definitely. Um, I would just add to like, be authentic in what you're doing. I think uh, that people are really, you know, quick to, to accomplish things you know when I even started DJing I didn't leave my bedroom for nine months just learning how to DJ um, if you start a label you don't need to call yourself the CEO like right away I'd say if you really want to be in the music <laughs> business like study what does it mean to do these Forbes, jobs what are the 40. norms of the business like how do people communicate um, and like really you know take it seriously and along with uh, all the stuff yeah. you know, Mike was saying what kind of trends have you seen come and go and how do you guys you know view trends because i think a lot of times it's really easy for either on the, on the industry side or the artist side for people to kind of get hot for a second following something that's really hot at the moment but then nine out of ten times that doesn't last very long so how do you kind of produce longevity in an industry where things are very disposable and the attention span is really short well alex said just i think that comes from like being authentic like anyone can have a moment but if you really stick to your guns of your artistry or the artist you want to work out or put out on your label and believe with it and slowly build that then you know you want a slow burn in this business you know i just don't want to be like Cray sean and get that one check that you know million dollar check the feds keep half she walked with five hundred thousand dollars she'll never see a check again you know it's because it's just a quick exploitation so be authentic and build you yeah. know i think we we make every decision with the long long term the long term and, and long. play and if you just we just that's the music and the artists that we work with we understand the trends and see it and we try to like get kind of whatever uh, we're comfortable with as close to that that trend but we feel like the artists we work with and great minds think alike. By doing that, we gravitate people as similar outlooks right. and views on, on what needs to be done and, and how to do it. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, we've done a number of podcasts together um, with each of you guys. We've done work with Grammy U. It, it's, it's a very small-knit community, both in the music space now and especially in Chicago. So talk about the role community plays in this because, again, I think a, a rookie mistake a lot of people make is they get kind of hot for a second. They might get a write-up and, like, a major blog or they might get a spot on like a major gig one time and then they just they're too cool for everybody they don't want to talk to anyone talk about the role community plays and, and how much everybody really knows each other oh, i think the role of lack of community plays a huge role in chicago unfortunately um we we i mean that's one thing we strive to do is like make like a nexus like 
you know, we have two studios, we have a barbershop, we have an office, a place where people can come and work and, and talk and, and, and build it. That's essential. You know, it's, it's reason other smaller places like Atlanta have, to, have just bubbling scenes. And unfortunately, you know, community is everything. That's the only reason all those artists eat down there is they have a great sense of community and work with each other. And Chicago just never had that. You know, New York has had Decon and Duck Down and Fool's Gold and Minneapolis has Rhyme Sayers. Like we've, we've had nothing here to ever be that, you know, incubator for talent. So and that's what we're all about is community. That's like something we think about every day. No, Chicago, and there is a, there is a tight-knit community of people that support, we support each other. Chicago's like the core artist scene is one that like, who's going to these parties, even the one where with currency, that was almost, a, I'd say, 80% industry people going to that, supporting it, other local artists. So it is, it is key on, on a certain level. Or even like the small community just of your amp class that you teach here, it's like crazy. Like Lily Kay was one of your students, you know. And now, Saba, Lily You know, Kay, Saba, Thelonious it's, you know, Martin. Thelonious. And it's like, it's just so cool that, you know, man, that uh, they got together and worked and made cool records. And man, so you, you have to find that community and whatever it might be, you know, to, to, to you know, foster We're, your growth. Like even without, uh, me and Mike met through uh, knowledge from kids in the hall who I've known since I was five because we both grew up on the south side and played baseball together. That's, and then as we came up together, we were still friends. He was popping off with kids in the hall. I had just started a blog. He was recording with Mike and connected everything. Without that core tied to a community, like what else is there to support? When the trend fades, you are left with the community ties that you've, you know, you've built up. And it's, it's much smaller, I think, than people think. Again, I think another rookie mistake people make is they think they can kind of be um, dismissive of people or don't have to look out at how they're treating people in their community around them. And they're just like, whatever, man, I'm blowing up. I'm going to go to L.A. I'm never going to see you again. You're going to see everyone again, right? Yeah. Um, talk about some of the artists that you guys have worked with. I know you've mentioned Currency, but, you know, between all the work you guys have done, Digital Freshness, Ruby Hornet, Closed Sessions, you guys have worked with a ton of artists, Soundscape. You know, who, who has been involved in the closed sessions operation over the years? Uh, oh if we just name them, like uh, Bunby, Raekwon, Action, Action Bronson, Young Shop, Chance, Vic, Nico, uh, Kids Rocky these days. Fresh, YP, Mickey Halstead, Rhymefest, Skyzoo, Fashion, DJ, Dil all Dilated Peoples, Sci High the Prince, Ice KJ Fish. <laughs> 50 Tyson. We yeah, did, we there got, we go. Yeah, we have a 50 Veritable Tyson. who's who. We don't know if that's going to come out. It may yeah. not be able to. Yeah, but we'll see. It's pretty crazy. It'll be fired, though. We got to figure Believe. out the consent forms. But yeah. How much work goes into being able to actually set something up with an artist? Because, you know, on my end, when we do the podcast, you're reaching out to a publicist or a manager or the artist themselves to, like, set up in our case, the interview, and then you got to get them there, and then you have to like, you know, there's, there's so many factors that go into just making any, it's a wonder that anything ever happens, especially independently when you don't have money to kind of be like, yeah. oh, okay, here, like, we'll pay you for this. How much goes into like making a closed sessions record? Master the art a of lot. finesse. Yeah, and... this is all about the finesse. I mean, cause oh one, yeah, God. we don't have any money. So we're asking these people to do things just for the experience, like for the love, like, man, we all love hip hop culture. We want to show what it's like in the studio. So that takes some, 
connection. And then we're in a business where everyone lies about the things that they're able to do. So oh we're telling God. artists like, don't worry, we got a great studio. You can do whatever you want in it. Oh, uh, you're worried about the production? Don't worry, we have great all production. these producers. It's all taken care of. Uh, you want this kind of food? We know the publicist of this restaurant. You're all good. Your show, all good. Take, you want some clothes? So they're used to like that never being true. When we picked up Raekwon, his manager's like, I'm gonna only say this once, there's no baby seat in the car, right? Like people pick, <laughs> treat these people terribly. So yeah. there's convincing them that we're legit, but that's where the authenticity again comes in. Cause after a while, the word, the word spreads and uh, you get one artist and then they tell their collective, again, the community. Action Bronson went back to New York and told Esquire, Rock Marciano, uh, Anyway, like everyone that like, no, these dudes are legit. So it's less now, but it's made man. for the best stories of my life. Oh, yeah. though, it's been some dealing. crazy. Like crazy we got Raekwon times. to do our South by showcase and yeah, eight days, nine days before South by is like, yo, we seem to have a problem. We can't find a hotel room. That's kind of strange. No, like, three days, three days. I was like, are you retarded? It's the biggest music conference and the, there was no hotel rooms anywhere. So yeah, those hotels sell out a year in advance. So finally we get on, find something eight miles from the convention center. So this we're oh man, thank you, gratitude. Thank you so much. We're gonna rock extra hard. Eight in the morning, Alex gets the phone call. Yo, Alex, Raekwon ain't got no suite. <laughs> and I'm like, oh well, we. And know. it's like one of those comfort inns down there. I'm yeah, sure. it's like yeah, like, like it, was a, it was a hotel. It you was a little bit better it. than a comfort okay. inn, but All you know, right. it's like but. it's three days before South by. They're just lucky to get these rooms. Like I know, I know, but I'm just saying, Raekwon ain't got no suite. So that, you just you know you just have to be prepared I, I and then talk in, your way out of that. I, I mean. was in the basement of Beauty Bar with Raekwon's manager, and the day didn't want to pay him before he went on. I'm like, dude, what are you talking? This is a legend. Pay him the money. He's about to go on, and they were like, we just don't do that. And then um, his manager goes, look, Raekwon's outside in the car. I'm not gonna go tell him he can't get in. So if like you're not gonna give me the money, then Alex is gonna, gonna give it to me, and I don't want to make Alex do that. This is my friend now. And like some crazy, crazy experiences with these yeah, legends too. Dante Ross, like we've gotten to work with some. Yeah, they have some interesting people. management too. It's the entre or Uncle Polly and ton of ton of yeah. good stories. That's the fun of it. The struggles after we get the closed session done that makes it even better. Yeah, you know. Now you mentioned South by and South by Southwest, of course. I would imagine most people know, but South by Southwest tremendously enormous industry conference every spring, every March in Austin, Texas. They have an interactive section, they have a film section, and then the music section is arguably the most well-known. They have just, you know, five or six days of endless showcases. It's basically like if um, they took over Clark Street from Pick Me Up to Wrigley Field and every single, every single business along that strip was doing shows from about 8 a.m. until 5 a.m., for six days. So it's enormous. And you know, you guys have been going to South by for years and years and years and years and doing showcases and all sorts of work. What all goes into having a successful South by Southwest experience? You now, whether it's from the label side, whether it's from the preparation side, you know, for the artists, what can people expect from maybe some of the folks in this room who haven't gone? You, it's impossible to have a success. You, that's like breeding a unicorn. It's, it's not going <laughs> to happen. It's just, I didn't want to make it that. How, how can we just not have the, the train derail horribly and corral, you know, 15 artists into a pecker heads on 6th Street, you know, in, with quarter million people out your front door you know it's it's yeah it's no yeah no sleep oh man it's just yeah we've done everything there is to do a south by yeah yeah there's yeah there's no way to make that happen but i would say just pick what you want to do and do it and then that's it well you guys have done the showcases before though 
Um, you know, and over the years, I think that the climate has changed at South by Southwest. And I think you could endlessly debate whether it's better or worse. And I, ultimately, it just is what it is. Things change. You know, are you guys getting more of a return now? Or maybe did you feel like you got more of a return when it was maybe a little bit slightly less, you know, slightly more underground? Or kind of what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd say so. Because uh, for a minute, like, just the hip, at least the hip-hop music space, the underground artists were kind of still transitioning into the mainstream. And now there's a whole group of, like, kind of mainstream yet artists that were just in the underground and were, like, championing. But there's no new, there's not very many to, uh, to take their place. So all the, at all the shows at South By, we were like, you've never heard of anyone, or they were super corporate, like, Really big yeah, artists. Like, Back then, there was a middle ground that this, we tapped into. Like a yellow wolf said. or an odd future. You know, there used to be like some type of winner. You know, so I remember, you know, the first, like, if you see an odd future, you know, the yellow wolf, yellow wolf. You mm -hmm. know, now one's on already. Yeah, you don't go there to discover. Now it's like a, a test. It's like, okay, there's a lot of buzz. You know, are, are the Migos entertaining live? I have no idea. Yeah, they are. You know, so it's just kind of, let's see what they can really do. It's so funny. I mean, I said the exact same thing. Like, I was talking to someone else after South by. It's like the disappearing middle class. It's either some blog group with, 500 hits on SoundCloud or Prince, yeah. and there's no in between. Um, let's talk about kind of the climate in Chicago. My students did a great South by Southwest showcase, by the way. Oh yeah, they, that's yeah. probably one of the best things I've seen down there. I went to the Columbia showcase, the Amp one. That was really good. Yeah, well, there was yeah. a lot of people in there. It was definitely the best Chicago like display of new talent. But anyway, I digress. No, yeah, he's um, digressing. <laughs> let's talk about Chicago though, um, because. Now, there have been some really enormous success stories out of Chicago. Obviously, Chance is one of the big ones. You know, did you see the way that people interact with you guys or closed sessions or your work change once you were able to be like, yeah, we were putting Chance on four years ago or we were doing this? I mean, yeah, definitely all of a sudden when everyone knows you're close with the biggest rapper in the game, it's like, hey, you know Chance, how about, you know, and it's, you know, it definitely kind of, you know, I think in some in some ideas, yeah, it might have you know warped things a little bit with people. But is it frustrating? Because I would imagine that there are endless cases where you've approached like industry or gatekeepers or whoever you want to say, and you're like, hey, this guy's really talented. This guy's really talented. And I bet a lot of people are only going to listen to you when it's like, oh, cool, you were right about Chance, or oh yeah, yeah, that's nice, great. I'd love to hear Alex Wiley, but can you hook me up with Chance? Yeah, I mean, we were sitting in the Fader office, like, just what? In a publication, they will go unnamed. Oh, in a publication, I'm sorry, that will go unnamed. In the office, prominent Yeah, one. brought these guys up, and like, I don't know who any of this is, but you're cool, you record Little Dirt. And it's like, yes, I record Little Dirt, yeah, but like, there's other things. Watch, like, Chance, Chance the Rapper. Yeah, it's like, check out Kids these days, you're like, Kizzy, what's that? You know, yeah. so, yeah. It, it takes time, you know. It was a... Uh, it was, it was more frustrating when I was like blogging all the time and like trying to run a, a site. It's, close, it's like a lot less now, but, but uh, it's kind of cool because um, like these labels now do start to call me and uh, they're like, so every Tuesday I'm going to ask you for the new Chicago artist. And I was like, well, these are the people I'd be, I'm, we're going to sign. Like, why would I, why would I tell you? Yeah. Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Here's who you can steal out hey, from Hey, local us. guys that might help me build a label, just go to RCA. Like, why would I do that? So Yeah. No, exactly. Um, you know, you guys, like I've mentioned, you work with a ton of local artists and also national artists, but who are some of the local artists that you see coming up in 2014? Who do you see as the next class? 
God, classes move so fast now. It's oh, kind of, it's really, like, really I'm quickly. almost like we were talking earlier today, like Alex Wiley is almost kind of like, you know, at a whopping 20 years old, like a little bit of a, of a seasoned, you know, guy out here. So, you know. It moves really quickly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. And how do you also, like you, back to that question you asked earlier, like how do you get that long burn on an artist? How do you get past that initial shiny new backpack? Like, oh, this is cool. We like this. Like, how do you get it to stay? And it's, it's, it's tough. If we could predict what that next new class would be, I mean, we'd probably have the most successful label in the country at that point. It's, it's hard to know, man. It's yeah. to get to know people and spend time with them and get them in the studio and, you know, see, see what, what you think. Yeah. I mean, I was at South by, I interviewed Saba for Dynasty Podcast, and he was talking about how he feels like his class, I mean, his word, his class is the next one that's going to Yeah, Sa- I mean, Saba, Wiley, Mick Jenkins. Mm-hmm. He was with No Name Gypsy. Um, you know, Chicago over the years has been a lot of different things. You know, um, if you went back to like the mid 90s, it's like a town ruled by like Smashing Pumpkins and Brook Assault and Local H. Now it's just a hip hop town, it feels like. Does, you know, is it strange now that Chicago is just primarily known for its hip hop and everything else is kind of like on the back burner? Whereas even a decade ago, I don't think that that was as much the case you know a decade ago well, it was like that, Boy that, that's Canada. a lesson to learn i think from that 90s i mean billboard you know in like 90s the next, seattle. Like, the next seattle we had smashing pumpkins and like urge overkill got their record in the uma thurman overdose scene in pulp fiction and like all eyes on chicago and i feel that parallel to now and unfortunately sometimes when you get that light shined on you're not ready to you know to deal with it and unfortunately that that fizzled and huh, i have no idea why yeah you know uh, it's just interesting because, yeah, these scenes come and go so quickly. And something else that's happening is as talent, and this isn't limited to the hip-hop scene, as talent um, rises up, so much talent and industry is leaving Chicago. What keeps you guys based in Chicago? And what value do you think the city has for artists who are on the fence about staying here? We stay here for brand loyalty, I guess. Yeah. We're just I mean, Chicago I kids. I, I think mean. that'd be because of uh, that situation. That's where the opportunity is. If, if people are leaving, that means it's wide open to establish it. You know, we could go. Where else would we go and have this uh, kind of undiscovered uh, talent? Where you can be. Um, there's very few. You know, not everyone's fighting for this position. And then the artists that. I mean, part of why artists want to work with us and the ones that do come and like even what you were saying earlier about convincing an artist to come and do a closed session for no money, it's like they're buying into like, this is something cool. I wanna support the artists that work with us in Chicago. Uh, we are even talking to one about working out our deal and he was like, I think this is super fair because I wanna be part of closed sessions. I understand you guys need people like me to do business with, to, to build it up. I want this to be around. So that's why we stay and that's what the artists that work with us, they could go sign elsewhere outside the city and be another piece of Interscope's story or Def Jam's story, or they could be the story with what we're doing. And Chicago um, right has a, a track record. I mean, since freaking Chess Records, right. we've always been making the new sound. You know, I mean, rather was, you know, when Smashing Pumpkins, it's like nothing sounded like that. Or nothing Ministry sounds like. Or Wilco or. Yeah, R. or Pigface or, or, or Twister. Or Chief Keef. Nothing Common. sounds like any of that stuff, yeah. you know. Howlin' Wolf, I mean, you know. Something else that I think people don't think the about. The band Chicago itself. The band Chicago, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Boom. Boom. Um, sticks. Uh, something I think. Sticks, <laughs> man. Come on. I love sticks. You guys know sticks? What class is this even? I have no idea. I know sticks. What class is this? Can Turn some, up. 
No. Business of music. Okay. Business, Business of music. Of music. Yeah. Um, gotcha. Something that I think happens a lot is like, you know, talent from Columbia, talent from, you know, like younger college talent graduates and they go to New York or L.A. And to me, the advantage of staying in Chicago, kind of like you talked about, is like you can actually build something here. If you go to New York or L.A., it is tremendously difficult to break through there, to get anyone to care. No one will care. In Chicago, if you really put in the time and the hard work to build something here and you're in it for the long haul, you actually can build something. Right. And like I've interviewed a lot of artists and the ones that are not from New York or L.A. always have a different take on the uh, music their attitude towards working because it's like they're not beat down by the system or they're not immediately in the spotlight. If you stay in Chicago, you have some time before all eyes are on you to better find yourself, make mistakes without uh, as many people watching, and then you always can go to New York or LA. That's always where the music's going to be, but exist, find yourself. It's like let it operate like a, a AAA, so to speak. You yeah, know. put in your time here, I think. Yeah, don't skip steps. And you can get stuff, I mean, what it costs to shoot a video in Chicago is not what it costs to do in L.A., you know. What it costs to live in Chicago oh, yeah. versus Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and in the music business, it's going to be a while before you make money, so that cost of living makes a difference. And, and authenticity sells. Because we were in Brooklyn, there was this awesome, nice building with a studio in, and they were trying to do something similar to us. But there's a bunch of transplants that weren't local. Yeah, no, there, I, that no, didn't no know what time. the hell they were doing, you know. And it's just, man, like, this Chicago is just, you know, it's, just, it's real here. It's authentic. And, like, you know, I mean, look, at like, like I said, for, like, the last 60 years, like, the biggest stars, you know, Chuck Berry was on sex records, to, you know, Kanye was, I mean, it's just amazing, you know, what has come from here. Cruella. And nothing you know, else sounds like this stuff. Smith so. Westerns, yeah. Yeah, so why would you want to be anywhere else? You know, talk about being a hip-hop operation in Chicago, because for all of the acclaim and hype that comes with being affiliated with the hip-hop scene in Chicago, I think there's still a lot of obstacles for operating a hip-hop kind of business in Chicago. You know, you always hear kind of hush stories about, you know, how it's hard for a hip-hop festival to happen or hip-hop shows, venues are oh, hesitant to yeah. host those, Tell things us like about that. It. Yeah. What kind of obstacles do you run into being the kind of business that you are? Uh, people just tend to, you know, categorize us as, you know, they see, you know, GBE record is this has us this horrible connotation that's always trying to get people over and around and really, you know, understand that. And and I started really finally in this last year see some inroads. I mean, you know, Rahm Emanuel did go all the way down to Austin to a rap music showcase. That's insane to me. Yeah. You know, that got shut down by a fire marshal for being too turned up. That's what Mayor is doing. I mean, that's, you know, that's literally like, what happened. It yeah, was too it turned. was insane. Exactly. That's 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 awesome. So I think finally we're starting to to you know. To, to, to bend that corner here, but there's crazy obstacles. Promoters, um, you know, just even Shady, just shadiness. shadiness, horrible venues, you know, the Congress sucks, you know. It's like, and it's worth noting, too, if you're shady in your business dealings in Chicago, people find out really quickly and no one will work with you. It is not a city where you can be like, well, no one's going to notice if I do this. People notice, everyone knows each other, everyone talks, and if you don't take care of the community around you here, Dude, you will not last. I mean, I've seen that happen. It's the most gossipy industry I know. Like, literally, someone will know in 28 minutes. It's like Mean yeah. Girls. Yeah, it is. It very much is. It's very clicky, and people are very territorial. But, you know, we're, we're overcoming that, definitely. But if you take care of your people, then... That speaks for itself, yeah. yeah. Oh, that definitely speaks for itself. And, 
people like like I said, we brought Action Bronson here for his first show. If he's in Chicago, he wants to hang out with us and go get tortas. I mean, it's just, you know, that's, 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 that's how you do business right and have those lasting relationships. Now, this, old, this old executive told me he was like, at South by, I was running him. He's like, I want to work with you guys. I like you guys. Like, you guys, it's very easy in Chicago for people to hate you. You live in a city where, like, that's going to happen, and, and no one I talk to, uh, you know, says that. Like, it's, it's ruthless. That, that was their mentality. So, yeah, no, that's everything. Now, you know, doing this in Chicago, like we have a lot of students here in this music business class. How many of you guys are actually like music business majors or want to go into the music business in some respect? Okay, so a lot of the people here. You know, what advice would you have for, for anyone in this room who wants to start out, who maybe, you know, might go home tonight and start like working on a logo or go register a URL on GoDaddy or like, what's the first step someone can actually take towards building something that they can you know, make into their own. Find people with, I think, like interests. Like, it was amazing, like, when we initially worked with, with the same team with Rocky Fresh has been there from the beginning. It's like they found their engineers. Like, that's what I bring to the table. I'm the road manager. I'm the rapper. And, you know, just get with people and figure out, like, what you can do to, you know, to make, that's the main thing. I think my, I was kind of cocky when I was in college. I should have taken more, inter- I had my own little studio since, you know, it's like, oh, I'm just going to work in my bubble and get this. I don't need to be there or do that. And, you know, in hindsight, I wish I would have interned more, which I would see how more other people work and build and, you know, build more relationships. So I think that's definitely the first step. Um, I would just say, like, my high school basketball coach, he taught us to attack things with a controlled rage where you really want it and you're going to be aggressive, but it's got to be under control. If you're going to go home tonight, Maybe you don't need to register the logo right now. Maybe that first try is not what you actually go with. Like, take the time to work it out. And, you know, before you take that shot of, like, I got to send, send this song off. I just did my first record. I got to get it out right now. It should be on Fake Short Drive tomorrow. Like, just slow down and uh, approach it with that control, controlled rage. That's okay. I'm going to tweet that. Hold on. Controlled yeah. rage. That's Hashtag awesome. Control rage. My high school Hashtag coach sucked. Controlled rage. <laughs> yeah, this is 2014. That's, that's game right there. At close I love sessions, that. controlled rage. Yeah. SoundCloud closed dash sessions. It's <laughs> the next mixtape. Boom. Um, yeah. Something else I think that's really valuable that everybody in this room has that maybe they don't realize is that you'll never know more people than you do when you're in college. I promise you. You don't like leave college 95% of the time and know more people than when you were in college. How valuable is the network that everybody sitting here has and how can they utilize it? Because I think a lot of college students, yeah, I didn't, you don't realize how many people you know and how valuable that is at the time. Man, when I went here, it was no sense of, of community. It was a couple high rises, and it was like like a businessman. Like, it was I'm very different back then. Yeah, I had like my three o'clock appointment at, on Wabash and 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 dip. But like with you know, especially like the amp thing and what I see them do. And and man, they have showcases here and and showcases. That's you that's guys awesome. don't know how great this school is right now. And I'm not oh, saying that. Like I went here, and I'm not putting down how it was before. Columbia is really great right now, and you guys have a lot of resources available to you. There was no glass chandeliers in this room when I had to sit through horrible lectures and the nope. Givenchy knockoff curtain back there. Yeah, no, they're, yeah, they're, they're when you watch the Temptations uh, documentary here, yeah, no, I did. Is, yeah, yeah, it's um, like a hotel lobby in here. It's insane. Yeah. What else, Alex? Um, yeah, I went to I went to school in Indiana, and um, Hillbilly, don't judge them. Indiana University. Um, 
but I've met a lot of alumni and, you know, I got my start in college doing events and, and DJing and all that. Um, but uh, it's funny, like when you go to a school like that, you meet someone else that goes there, they ought, you can automatically uh, connect with them. And uh, I met, uh, I met someone that's become a mentor to me uh, that works at the Fader. Started just from a follow Friday. It was like different uh, IU alumni in the music business. And somehow I got included in that. And I researched each person that was also named. And I saw like, oh damn, the dude that runs the Fader and just started talking about IU basketball and like, so it's like that passion. counts. Yeah. Also, I'd like Andrew Barber went to Andrew I, Barber yeah. went to IU VIPJ the, from the cool kids. So, so yeah, you like guys that. laughed at it at first, but that's that's, <laughs> that. that's yeah. But now who's laughing? Laugh at IU at your own peril in the Chicago music industry for real, for real. <laughs> Boom. Um, I wish I had my air horn right now. Yeah, that's you have what the app need. though, right? I have the app. Yeah, get I the said, app out. Damn. Get the app out. Let's start God, dropping these. I gotta horns. get this ready. Yeah, especially during the Q and A part. Of yeah, this. that's yeah. Gonna be I got you. Awesome. I'll be your hype man. I'll get the horn going. What about you know? You're talking about kind of like networking, and networking can be kind of like this gross buzzword that has this really negative connotation, but it is really important to get to know the people in your industry, the people who you could potentially work with, even the people around you who maybe haven't started yet, but you guys could potentially build something together. So kind of what role does networking and getting to know your community and getting to know even your peers at Columbia College play in later success? You take the networking question, Alex. <laughs> the networking question? Yeah. Um, I think it's just like any other, any other job if you're a lawyer, a teacher, Carpenter, you need to know, you know, your industry and what it means to be a professional in that field. Music is cool because it's like part business and also uh, pleasure. And if you can perfect that balance, you'll have a good chance at success. And that can be tricky for sure. But uh, yeah, that's that's my take on networking. Okay. Uh, you know, you mentioned Mike actually was was uh, originally mute, and he would just kind of go to these parties and hold up cards. So he he it's like Penn and Teller, yeah. Ne kind networking of a for him was always tough. Yeah. Dynamic, yeah. It's, that that joke is over the age <laughs> over the age of this room. Um, man, you made me forget my question. <laughs> I got the air. Boom! There, there we, we go. go. <laughs> Turn up. Um, you know, what have you guys got lined up? coming up in 2014 for closed sessions now? Um, <clears throat> Release-wise, we have a few, a few things on deck first. Uh, this Alex Wiley project, Village Party. Do you got, have you guys heard of him? Anyone know Alex Wiley? Okay. Well, Five people, yes. Yes, eight. I think eight. I saw oh, eight. eight. Oh, eight it's an auspicious oh. number. But uh, no, his project's coming out. We're He's really leaving already. Ask that guy's off. Alex Wiley. No. <laughs> I'm out of here. Oh, no. um, but no, his project's called Village Party. It's coming out in, in uh, May. Um, and yeah, so that, and then there's this producer named A. Villa who is probably the best producer no one's ever heard of. He's vice president uh, of a bank. Um, and when Guru died, he just became very inspired. He loved hip hop his whole life. And he felt like um, Guru from Gangstar at his death, it inspired him to like want to leave something behind. He went to Guitar Center and bought an MPC and taught himself how to make beats. Uh, entered a beat battle that Mickey Halstead threw. Won the prize was a Mickey Halstead song, and then he uh, through Mickey Halstead got someone from Little Brother on it. And then one by one went to like his musical heroes. Just will you be on my project? And it's called uh, Carry On Tradition, and it features all those artists plus like. 
Noriega, Big Crit, Cool G Freeway. Rap, all his favorite artists. Joel so that's Ortiz, really special. Yeah. Um, and uh, what? Oh, Closed Sessions Volume Three. Yeah, we have a uh, showcase for our label um, at Double Door as part of Simfest, where we'll have we have uh, Blue in Exile, Alex Wiley, and Show You Suck, and in between their sets, we will be screening some new and never before seen documentaries. Yeah, documentaries with Lucky X, Mick Jenkins, Saba, uh, Z Money. So we we're working. Dally Austin, we just did some stuff with him. We were just checking out the time. Um, I think we could open it up to some questions from the floor in a minute, but is there anything else that we should cover on our end that I maybe didn't think to ask you guys that we want to make sure we get out to the room? I think we should end this segment with a Hunter S. Thompson quote about the music industry. <laughs> I don't want to get this correct because it really sums it up, so I'm actually going to read it. The music business is a cruel and shallow money trench, a long classic hallway where thieves and pimps run, run free and good men die like dogs. There's also a negative side. There we go. I like it. Um, Alex Fruchter and Michael Kolar from Closed Sessions, also from Soundscape Chicago. Thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. We've done many a podcast project together. Alex, you and I talk about once a week on a podcast, it seems. Um, it's always great to talk with you guys. We're going to open it up to the room. I want to thank Grammy you, Scott, Maurice, everybody who helped make this event happen. For having us out here. And don't leave yet, man. We got, we got a lot more. And Leila Rayel from Dynasty Podcast for engineering and producing all this. We're going to have this whole session up for you to listen to as an audio podcast at dynastypodcast.com. Um, that is the network that I host. My name is Haima Black um, with Dynasty Podcast. So now, why don't we open it up to you guys? And like I said, you can either use this microphone here um, to ask a question, or if you don't want to be on the podcast, you can raise your hand and we will repeat the question for the mic. The first question is obviously um, the authenticity, authenticity of Chicago and hip hop. Um, is important. How do you feel like Chicago can keep that authenticity here? How can we keep authenticity here? Uh, I mean, we, we can do our part by just keeping our, you know, a place for artists to work and, and make music. That's how we can keep authenticity here, but it just takes people, man, as long as young people want to make music, you know, nothing yeah. is more authentic than, than youth. Like, yeah, I don't think, you can't explain how to be authentic. Yeah, you then just, you got a you problem just, to being authentic. You just yeah. are. So don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. How, that's an excellent question. Yeah. That's excellent. Um, the second question is, um, what is your idea behind region identity? The only reason I ask that is because I had a few, um, I guess, conversations with people when the YG album came out, and they felt like the YG album was something that Schoolboy was supposed to make. Um, I don't know. Like, I enjoy the YG album, but I enjoy the Schoolboy school Q album as well. But it's, YG album is definitely West Coast, to say the least. So what is your idea behind region identity? Um, yeah, no, that's something that we, we spend a lot of time on. And, um, you know, we have a lot of artists that want to work with us that, and some artists that we even like. But at the end of the day, we've started building a direction with closed sessions. And a lot of times, you know, you can't do certain things because you've started to build an audience that audience trusts you you have an identity and um, then today if you're a brand 
you have to balance you know, serving yourself and your artistic uh, wants versus uh, giving your audience some kind of anchor or stamp. Like one, what we connect with about record labels is we would collect music. And, and when I first started buying records as a DJ, there were a lot of labels where I didn't know all the artists, but I knew the label. And if I saw the logo on the cover, like, okay, I know what they like. I'm going to take a chance. I, I uh, trust their taste. So that's how we, that's what our identity is about. And we're still, um, we're honestly, you know, still figuring out exactly what that is. Or just put loud hi-hats in your record and it will sound like a Chicago record. <laughs> lots of hi-hats. Thank you, Courtney. Hi, my name's Matt. Uh, thanks, guys, for coming. This is so great. My question for you is that between genres and even just as time goes on, the role of a, of a record label is kind of this amorphous sort of evolving thing. So, like, you know... Uh, a, a rock label predominantly is going to do things a lot differently than, say, like an electronic label. Um, and you guys obviously doing hip-hop stuff is going to be different there. So I'm curious is what your role is as far as, you know, promotion, distribution, funding of stuff, but also, uh, you know, if you find a new artist and do you say, okay, waiting for that new record, I'll talk to you in three months, or do are you guys involved from start to finish? Uh, and I guess kind of piggybacking on that, what do you guys look for uh, in new artists? What are things that kind of uh, draw you to someone to try to invest in them? That was a really long question. Yeah. Uh, I make rap music, I'm not, I'm not too smart, hour. yeah. Uh, but no, uh, I mean, to in short, the first part of your saying is is true. La the label is uh, is shifting. Artists can do new things on their own. What what I think any good label does is take the artist's vision and make it into a tangible product. The artists that we work with have ideas. They want uh, certain things executed, but they're not going to be the one to fill out um, simple things from metadata, making sure the artwork works, making sure all the rights are secured, getting it into these systems, putting together the marketing plan, um, calling up websites, radio, getting shows. That's what we do, and we've, we're hands-on from the beginning. We'll never work with an artist where, like, all right, we signed you. Hit us up when you get got some good music. Like, people are, are working with closed sessions because of me and Mike, the experience that we have, the expertise we have, everyone that we, we work with, their home becomes our home. Like they're at the studio making music with Mike. Upstairs we have an office. They come there every day. We have like be creative. Um, so that's kind of the process and it, it depends, you know, it's different things for different artists. Alex Wiley was brand new. When we started working with him, he didn't even have solo records. So that's been like a, helping him find his sound, just every facet of, of what it takes. And then someone like Mike Terre <clears throat> has been with us from the beginning, and he just needed help getting his vision out there, and that's what we supplied for him. So it, it, that's our, uh, sorry if this is long-winded as well, but we're, uh, the biggest benefit of us is that we can change based on what the artist needs. We're a very fluid, small, operation yeah. a bigger label move they fast have adapt huge fast payrolls and have 20 people working stuff like and it's, it's killed and, and it's killed careers of people like when we brought Esquire out to chicago he's like on top of the world you know he didn't grind enough i feel 
and incubate enough before he went to Universal Republic and then just got lost in, in the system and it slowed down. Cause when I deal with major labels, it's in the same way, like a meeting to discuss what we decided at the last meeting. It's so hard you know, to, to get things moving and we're just fast, nimble, you know, high speed, low drag. And I think that's what allows us to win or get the looks we get. It's like, we really care about like telling the story, the execution. We were with an artist today and they like really want to work with us. And there's just like, I just see like, the polish, and that's what we are for Chicago hip hop artists. Like we can, we're that that polish. Um, the kind of artists we work with, uh, I don't know. We have an internal like ways to describe the music, but it's like a certain vibe, a certain feel. The kind of music that we liked when we were a kid, that still exists in 2014, and that's the kind of music that we make. And if you look at our our catalog, and this is another good piece of advice, if you ever want to work for a company or get an internship or work with another artist, what have you, research what they do, the things they like, make sure that it's gonna be a real fit, uh, talk to them in the language that they're using. So if an artist or even anyone in here that wants to work with our label or any label, like look at the whole catalog, who do they work with? What do those people have in common? And uh, that will show the kind of artists that, that, that we, we work with. Thank you guys, great answers. Um, hello, I don't know if you remember, we, we, we met at um, one of Alex's shows at a gallery, but um, my question to you all is, what does the process entail of finding new talent? Do they usually approach you or do you usually see them you know, doing their thing, maybe at a show or on a blog and approach them? Both, some people approach us, sometimes yeah. we approach people um but it's mostly like organic. going back to the community sense it's like if you are working in this space you're gonna run into me and mike at something or be at a studio session be at one of these events i'd say 99 percent of the artists we work with uh just kind of come out of that like naturally seeing around again it goes back to if you want to be in this field you got to go where those people are going go where uh where are the cultural hangouts like and we find yeah probably all. yeah i have so many way. clients that complain like no one hears my music does anyone know who you are do you make an effort to hit the streetwear boutiques do and you drop invest off in the scene that yeah, you do you want invest? to give you things like yeah. are you part of the community you know, like yeah do saying? you make the rounds do you do stuff do you support other people's parties and stores and events you know that's that's what it takes you know we were doing that party like we were talking about but part of that too was like come to this party at XYZ bar and get to meet us. And people would come like that's part of being in the- It has to happen organically, yeah. you know. Major lads would be like, oh, these guys might be hot, throw some money at it. Like if we're gonna work with them, we need to want to work with them. And more importantly, we want them to want to work with us. You know, that's the main thing, so. I'm um, Kyle. Uh, my question is more uh, so about the process. In this class, we talk a lot about how you can make money as an artist and uh, like the legalities behind the music and putting it out. Uh, my question to you guys was, how did you go about picking currency as your first artist? Because to the underground artists or artists that are still working, currency, especially to rappers, I would say, currency has the type of career and image that the artists that are really about the music kind of like because he's more low-key and he's just doing his music and putting it out so what was your decision process in working with him first and how how was that that general uh atmosphere because he's he's more of an artist that's focused on the sound is more than the, the fame because mm -hmm. he has the blogger fifth sense he just can pick hot 
And DJ. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it helps that you also DJ and you hear a record and you, you know, but it's just, I don't know, Alex just finds these things and, he, and, you know, found it before anyone else did. Like, he's like, he emailed me this link one time, like, yo, we're bringing this guy to Chicago, check out his video, Brunch. It's about him killing his girlfriend and cooking a steak. It's like, what the hell are you talk about it? I watched that video for action. I was like, book it now, get it, you know. Yeah, but uh, Knowledge also introduced us to Currency. Yeah, that's he, right. I was doing a mixtape with Knowledge and he had Currency on a song and he kept telling me. And I heard, when I was writing from before uh, for this other site, Currency had the song um, where the cash had when he was on uh, Young Money, and that you know, I didn't really it didn't really fit. And then he kind of went through this rebirth where he found himself. And yeah, we just thought he'd be cool for the party. The atmosphere was great. We picked him up from the airport. He said, as soon as he got in the car, he was just like, "What do we have to do today?" I was like, "We could do whatever you want. We don't have to do anything." He's like, "Great. I just want to smoke weed and make music." And literally, and then he performed at gotcha. a show, and that was all he did, and it was awesome. It was, and that's why he comes back every time, and is a good like that's our that's our homie, and uh, it was cool because that was the very first one, and uh, he came back and did a whole EP with us and helped us get on Life and Times and like uh, tweets us out and just always supports, and that's that's. Uh, that's what's great about currency. He gets it, and that's why I think he has a long career because he picks up real friends along the along the way. He's real and authentic too. Like yeah. currency is definitely currency. Um, so my question about was the business end of what you guys do. Um, especially curious to learn how you guys, you know, figured out things like um, legalities and clauses and contracts and whatnot. Especially you know Alex um, getting out of school and doing CFA and then kind of doing your own thing by night. Who said we learned it? <laughs> What's a contract? No, yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, no, definitely Toronto. We've been sued. We got sued by South by Southwest for like a lot of money. Um, oh and yeah. And we realized we can't do that again. So we, it's a lot of trial and error. But right now, um, I think it goes back to them, something Mike said about like surrounding yourself with good people. And along the way, like we found an accountant that knows we can't afford a really good accountant, but believes in the cause and does our takes care of that. We found a lawyer the same way that like really believes in what we're doing, understands like what we could be, and uh, we trust in him, and he takes care of the legalities. But uh, yeah, before that, a lot of trial. You get sued, you get sued. You're in the wrong. You're in the wrong. Something Alex and I say all the time. You're in the wrong line of work if you're not prepared to take a few L's. You know, and that might be literally filing a motion to stop a uh, freaking, yeah, we were obviously had to go and, what is the word called for that lawsuit? Litigation? No, just when they had to interview you and make a oh, deposition. Yeah, it was, no, a deposition. A deposition. And it was, it was, we were yeah. served with a, with yeah, a like we were served, like it was we serious, in a federal court from Travis to, County. Office. Boom. Yeah. So if you're not prepared yeah. to take some L's, you're in the wrong line of work. You will continually for the rest of your career take them. The goal is just to get them farther and farther we'll apart. We'll probably take an L this week. I'm, Guaranteed. I'm sure we're something. Going to. A record we'll put out will flop. Something will happen. It's always something. So, but it's just what it is. You got to take risks, man. It keeps it exciting. Yep. Like what do you know? Safe is not good for the music making. Hi, I was going to ask you, um, since you guys are an independent Chicago label, um, how would you say that the production quality and the whole entire situation, getting the albums together, how would you say that's different than compared to a you know, major label and just you know, the effect on the music, like per, you know, personally and professionally? 
the production quality of art. You're, I think you could talk to that more, <laughs> measuring against the major label sound. Oh, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, the, the biggest thing that a major brings to the table now is like their Rolodex and their bag. You know, they can bring big money to seduce the right clients. And, you know, they, God, I wish I, you know, the people that master the big rap records, big rock records, man, those guys are $800 an hour. You know, it's hard for indies to, to compete. You know, we luckily have two recording studios. I'm a kick-ass record mixer, so I can, you know, get it. But, man, I still listen. I'll do a mix yesterday. I was, like, jumping to, like, uh, Lupe's The Cool. It's like, damn, like, the clarity has just got that little, you know. So, I mean, yeah, we lose by an inch, but, I mean, we still stay competitive, you know. But it, it, it is hard when you get, like, a Manny Marikeen or some of the big, name brand mixers on a project, you know, in the big LA studios, there still is an advantage. And like we talked about Polish earlier, it's like still, you know, when you, you might not like Katy Perry, but you listen to those records, it's like, oh, that's, that's why she sells 7 million records. Like those things are, you know, within an inch of their life, perfect, you know. Hello. Hi. My name is Sky, and um, I was just wondering, um, in you guys' opinion, what is the foundation that an artist needs to like break through or work with you guys? The foundation an artist needs to to work with us. I was gonna say the word grounded, but that's kind of a cop out. But I, you know, I mean, I just foundation. The foundation. Good music. Well, yeah, you have to. You should be and good at rapping. That that really helps. Um, <laughs> be good at rapping. Um, I really think it's the demeanor, man. To be honest, no, you, the yeah, controlled the, rage really is a big factor for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, no one wants to work with someone that's like bothering them or heads in the cloud like we want yeah. something that's you know it's realistic you know we we don't sell dreams and i think some people come into LA like oh you know it's like no we want to work with people that like get it like this is work this is this a is lot work. of a lot of work you know and let, let's let's put our nose at the grindstone and, and do it and something's like oh you're closed sessions you'll get us on the fader and then i'll get my tour and we'll be and it's like no it, this is not how things happen so yeah so just be ready to work and be grounded and focused you know uh what about like buzz wise like how much buzz does artists can always make it's not about the amount of buzz it's about the right kind of buzz again yeah. going back to like you know 50 people could be like this person is awesome but if it doesn't fit for what we're trying to do it really doesn't it really doesn't matter it's not about like the volume of the buzz it's just like anyone can make right buzz people. you know how is it the right buzz and how right long buzz, you know you yeah. could get some some drug dealer to find you know fund something do a little payola get the records on the radio go pop some bottles in the club and get someone to get you a loud knock and mix and all of a sudden it's like oh this is making some noise what is it but then people see through that and all of a sudden it's like no this really isn't worthy of the buzz and people they're still making their buzz noise but everyone's tuned it out you know so the right, the right buzz is, is really key. In, in yeah, we don't care about buzz. Yeah, I, yeah it's, it's noise. Hey guys, my name's Allie. Um, I was wondering what you guys, what went into deciding to form an independent record label rather than some other type of company. Alex, you coming from a writing and an education background and you Mike owning a studio, what was the decision to make that a label rather than just a production company or becoming an individual? Because we're idiots. I don't know what the hell. It's no, just... We were talking about this earlier today. This is America. Everybody that listens if to music wants If 50 Cent could do it, label. I'm doing that yeah. shit. You know, it's like, man. Because we're know. music nerds and wanted to have a label. This is like America. A it's the American dream to have a record label. My you favorite know? group is the Beastie Boys, and I wanted to be Rick Rubin when I was a little kid. And it was like, let's do it. Record label. But no, we are talking now, though, about what does that mean. And 
I don't think we function like the traditional record label and are trying to find new ways. And we find too that label is a bad word for some uh, younger people. They don't understand what a label is and there's this connotation that like in 2014, all labels are bad. So we know now like maybe we shouldn't call ourselves an independent record label. Maybe we should call ourselves uh, management and distribution. You know, sounds a lot better. So we kind of, yeah, but it was the American dream, really. Yeah, me. it was, man. Horatio Alger's sense of the word, man. We're just out here pursuing our dreams, really. Otherwise, I was going to open a subway. I was going to run the, the little 12-second microwave. It was going to be cool. Yeah. Hi. Um, I was just wondering uh, about the inspiration. Like, I know you both have a love of music, but, you know, even though we see you here and this is, well, I don't know if you would consider it a finished product, but even though we see you here and you're in this, you know, kind of a power position, I know it was times where it's probably, it probably seemed very hard, you know? So I guess I want to know, like, during those hard times, what kept you going and, you know, not throwing in the towel, basically? For me, the music industry is like a crack addiction. I can't walk away from it. I'm obsessed with it. I think about it when something isn't going right. Like, how, like, how do we get this to work? How do we break this artist? How do we get this awesome event? It, it's addictive. It's, it's almost like a sickness. It's insane. But like, no matter how many L's you take, you know, next day it just makes me want to do it more. Just to show people that, you know, you, know, you can't stop us. We're unstoppable. You Definitely. Know? Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. I, it's weird. Sometimes I wish I could just have Sometimes a I can't job, afford to put this money into a project, but like, I, I, I believe in it. It's like, almost like if I can't make it pop, it's like a, a failure to me. So it's like, you know, yeah, that's, you know, that's, yeah, that's I mean, you know, we've had to go to New York and yeah. stayed in horrible hotels and, you know, it's just, but man, we just keep feeding the addiction, you know, so probably not the answer you wanted to hear. It's kind of dark and, and, and gloomy. I apologize, but it's, it's the truth, at least for me. Until the phone stops ringing, you know, we're still in the game. Yeah. The man with the headband. Is it expensive to uh, clear samples for artists? Yes. Oh, yeah, it's very, yeah. I mean, how that works is they want, like, say, like, okay, we, there's a sample in here and we want to sell it. They want an advance on sales. So, you know, and they get a, the, the percentage is negotiated by your sample clearance lawyer. But you got to come up, like, you've yet to make dollar one off this record and you got to give a whole bunch of money to Harry Fox Agency, you know, to advance to whoever the, owns the publishing of what you sample. So it's like you're already, it's just tough to start in a hole already. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a major problem, and and further, with with the litigious you know aspects of like the government, like DJ Drama got like, or, and he was even selling things, you know, and you know Kanye got sued for his free a free mixtape, you know, because it had unclear Mac samples. Miller. Mac Miller too, you know, it, it's it's terrifying, uh, you know, and man, it's, and that's why no one does it because it is prohibitively expensive, you know. So yeah. Hey, uh, my name's Jackson Hercules. Thanks for coming, guys. Um, I have to write a paper about uh, tastemakers, and maybe you could just like talk a little about who the tastemakers are in Chicago, um, or just the whole country. I don't know. Maybe you have something to say about that. So, tastemaking. Who? Who are they? I'm not. Oh, that's, that's a, that's, that's a that's heady. A, that's, a, that's a tough task to do. I can't give you the juice like that. Yeah. But you can find out who they are. Yeah, it's 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 there. It's there for the taking. They're making taste. I'll tell you right yeah. now. Yep. And it's almost. I mean, that's like a job. There's like this one office in Chicago that 
like everything comes out of literally like you walk in and you hit you see the wall and then you just hit the different buttons and like shoes come out and it's like tastemaker approved all out of one factory it's like, like the keyboard elves if you ever seen looney tunes like yeah so like how do factory. elves make all these delicious Crazy cookies you know man. i don't know where they go at night do they sleep there probably and it's a full time. I, I know people who earn a living off taste making. Seriously, you know, tastemaking. Yes, they work for corporations, and, and they're, yeah, it's a, if you can get a job in tastemaking, I highly encourage we, it. We got, we um, know some. It seems like a fun gig. So you know? far, I only am able to get clothes that don't fit me correctly. So maybe one day we'll, we'll get to tastemake like some real. I don't even, they don't even, I don't even get oh, to I was go on the Nike yeah. list once. No, but your real question is uh, I don't know who the tastemaker That's I don't know. That's like a. People that own like the boutiques, um, I don't know. We're tasteless. I don't know. A, I don't know if I, I can't help you there. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Best of luck with that endeavor. Awesome. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap everything up. So again, thank you all for being here. Um, thanks to Closed Sessions, Mike and Alex. I really appreciate that. Dynasty Podcast. And of course, Columbia College for having us. And again, thank you guys. This has been Grammy U Off the Record, a look at independent record label closed sessions. This has been Dynasty Podcast at Grammy U Off the Record, a look at independent record label closed sessions, featuring Alex Fruchter and Michael Kolar of Closed Sessions. Thanks to Grammy U for having Dynasty Podcast involved with this live panel, to Columbia College Chicago for hosting the event, to Layla Iroyal for producing this podcast, and to Alex Fruchter and Michael Kolar of Closed Sessions for being on the show. You can find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Haima Black, Dynasty Descend.